Welcome to Building Better Humans. I'm Lindley Wood, a former teacher, future therapist, and mom to a beautifully blended family. Being human is hard. We all need a little help. Wow, I missed all you guys last week. I was participating in something really important, though, the Amplified Melanated Voices Movement. I muted myself on social media and all other channels in order to listen and learn to the voices that really matter during this time and this revolution. I put forth book lists, resources, podcasts, and people I feel like could help us move forward. Check out my Building Better Humans podcast, Facebook, and IG for those lists. I also have a stack of books by my bed that I'm working on. Right now I've got This Book is Anti-Racist by Tiffany Jewell. And I've updated my social network feed so that I'm continually feeded and listening and learning from voices that matter. There is work to be done, and I am here for it. Today's episode, Paddling Upstream, is an interview I recorded a few weeks ago with author Lori Tucker. During this time of deep soul searching, loving yourself couldn't be more important. Her self-help workbook, Paddling Upstream, A Journey to Self-Worth, is a great way to begin your own track to self-love. I apologize for the quality of this audio. Podcast growing pains. I'm learning as I go. But please don't let it stop you from listening to our amazing, life-giving conversation. I am honored to welcome Lori Tucker, author of Paddling Upstream, A Journey to Self-Worth, to our podcast today. Welcome to Building Better Humans, Lori. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, we're, we're very excited to have you here, too. My listeners and I are beginners on our journey to self-worth, so chatting with you is like such a perfect fit for us. In this book, you so courageously share your trials and tribulations through dating, traveling, trying to have a baby, not to mention some of your other adventures, including mm-hmm. whitewater rafting, so much fun. And I was wondering if you'd be willing to share one of your adventures with us. Sure. Well, one of the craziest things I did, and now that I look back on it, I think it definitely was a early midlife crisis, but it was brought on by like a very bad breakup. Um, so I broke up with someone I thought I was going to marry. And then I had been putting a lot of my outdoor adventures on hold, um, mainly because I was in a band and I was doing all the stuff where I just didn't have time. And I was dating someone who manipulated me and just not doing any of the fun things I wanted to do anymore. So I decided to take off two weeks from work um, and go down to the New River Gorge in West Virginia, where I had been whitewater rafting for years. But I decided to try to be a guide, like a whitewater <laughs> rafting guide. Here I am, like corporate. I mean, I'm pretty like like into fitness, and I love doing risky, somewhat risky, calculated risky things. Right. But like, I was like, well, I'm gonna go try to guide this giant boat down a class five river. You know, and like the people that do that, like live it. They're down there all the time and it's really hard work. And, you know, I thought I could do it, but honestly, I mean, I did it a little bit, but I kind of sucked at guiding. I'm really good at paddling and being in a boat and like even just with one other person, like I can go, but trying to guide like eight other people down a river was so hard, but I did learn how to swim through class five white water um i've learned swift water rescue like so many crazy things but um it was a really good learning experience for me just really putting myself in 
a very uncomfortable situation. I was sleeping in the back of my car with all these other people who were camping and it was like pouring down rain. And so I just learned a lot about myself. And one of the biggest things I learned was okay not to be great at everything. Oh, that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And before it's like, I always had to be perfect at everything. Right. So it's like, Dominate, I kind of go out, to, conquer. Yeah. So I kind of learned how to fail a little bit. So, oh, wow. yeah, it was a good lesson. <laughs> That's excellent. I mean, what else would you learn from learning to be a whitewater rafting coach? I mean, obviously. That's amazing. <laughs> right. um, I absolutely love the format of this book. I haven't read one like this in a while. It's actually similar to a workbook. Um, mm-hmm. You write a chapter and then there are self-reflection questions for the reader to actually go back and think about what you've written and how it applies to their own life. Um, what made you choose that format? Because I think that's great. Well, I think for me, just in general, when, you know, the whole book is about my journey to self-worth and I thought, well, if I'm going to write a book, like I really want to help other people, right, learn how to find their self-worth. And the biggest part of finding my own worth was being able to look in the mirror and be honest with myself about where I was failing or where my faults were and how I was contributing to the issues in my life. Um, and, you know, I started going to counseling about 10 years ago, um, took some time off and I'm back in counseling, but that also helps a lot because they ask you all those self-reflective questions in counseling mm-hmm. and all 10 years of that. And then just really being honest with myself, like, okay, what's the lesson from the situation? How did I contribute to it? Yeah. Um, so I thought, well, what a great way to get, an interactive, first of all, it makes it interactive. So I find that more interesting when you're reading a self-help book, but it also, I think will help other people start the process of healing themselves. I love that. I I think it definitely made me think in a different way than a traditional quote unquote, uh, self-help book that you read where it just sort of throws all of that out at you. It means you really stop and think. Yeah. Which was really, really cool and transformative for me. So I really like that. that. Thank you for saying that. You're welcome. My favorite self-reflection question uh, that you put there was, do you struggle with putting yourself and your needs first? If so, how can you start taking better care of yourself today? And for me, and I'm sure for my listeners, this is something that I still struggle with, right? Um, So I would love for you to talk a little bit for us about, um, you know, how do we start that journey? You know, how do we really look at that and just really start one step at a time? Because I think a lot of us are just beginning that journey of self-love and self-worth. So how do we put ourselves first in the beginning? Right. I think (laughs) for me, the biggest thing that I started doing was learning how to say no. Learning how to say no to people or things that you don't really want to do. So if I really was listening to myself, all the parties and events and obligation type things that everyone makes you feel like you have to go to, you don't, you don't have to go. And you know what? You don't have to have a reason either. Wow. Yeah. Like, and so for me getting to that point and being able to say, you know what? I don't really feel like going to my friend of a friend of a friend's three-year-old birthday party. I just don't feel like going, you know, like I don't really have to explain any, and I'm not rude about it. I just, 
decline the invite and you know, I sit on my own couch and drink wine, like, and I don't feel guilty. <laughs> At all. But, right. But in all seriousness, I think it's like just freeing yourself of thinking you have to go to every single thing everybody invites you to. Right. Or doing whatever anyone asks you to. You don't, I mean, I probably say no now 75% of the time. Wow, and my life is awesome. so much, I'm so much happier. I'm so much happier. That's a great little step. It really is. I mean, it's talking about getting to know yourself better, to really understand, mm-hmm. like identifying and definitely putting yourself first. That's a, that's a great one. Thanks for that. Yeah. And you know, um, there's that whole like book about what brings you joy, like only having things that bring you joy. And I'm a big believer in only doing things that bring you joy. Now for the most part, like things that you can choose, you know what I mean? Like choose to do or choose not to do. Um, it's a big step in like owning, like owning your life. Yeah. Your one true, quick, precious life. Like it's not that long and right. you want to spend it doing things you love. That's so important. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I highlighted the heck out of this book. Um, one of the things that I highlighted, I did, was um, you said, I've always said that being happy is a choice. And I believe that as well. I, I do believe that. What is your best advice for choosing happiness? every day? Wow, that's a hard question. Right? Because I don't want to give everyone the impression that I'm like living in la-la land and I'm happy all the time. I'm not. I'm totally human. Right. Totally human. But, you know, I spent, you know, I'm 44. And when the book really recaps like the last 20-ish so years, um, And I look back at the parts in the book that talk about the time that I wasted with people that didn't deserve me. And I can say that. Um, You know, I lived unhappy a lot of those years. And when you're in the middle of it, you're just in the middle of it. You're not like, and when you're so far out of touch with yourself, you don't really even realize that you're not happy. You're just kind of living. And then once you kind of find your worth and get past all that, then I, I, it's like, you're able to look back and say, man, I will never, and I can also, I will never ever date those type of those men in the book, the abusive relationship that I was in. Like, I can't even like, I don't even know that girl. So like just the, once you look in the mirror and like, and honest with yourself, like it makes it easier to choose happiness because you're like, man, I will, I could never go back to that life again. Right. And so I choose to live happier. And I have my days where life sucks and I'm unhappy, whatever. But like in general, I continue to make choices that make me happy. So like I said, like doing the things that you love doing, spending time with the people that you love, like those are conscious choices you have to make every day. Absolutely. I completely agree. One of the things that's been transformative for me is actually just creating a morning ritual. And it sounds so silly, but like just getting up, activating myself, doing a little bit of yoga, setting some intentions, that has been a game changer for me in that arena too. Just really setting my mind to it in a way that I wouldn't even have thought about before. I would have rolled up like late hitting snooze 17 times and, you know, everything would have been crazy. So just setting my intentions really helped. Yeah, you know, and I love yoga too. That has been 
that I started doing yoga in my mid thirties. Also, like when I had had that big breakup mm-hmm. and I wrote a blog a long time ago, it's called how yoga saved my life. Oh, wow. Because I was having a lot of weird health issues. I have a really terrible stomach, but I will save that for a later conversation. <laughs> um, but yoga, but it, a lot of it was tied to stress and unhappiness and getting into yoga and, when you get past the uncomfortable part of yoga, like when you first start doing yoga, you're like, God, I really hate this. Like, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden you get it. Oh, and it, for yeah. me, it's so much more. I mean, I love the workout, but for me, it's all about happiness and mental health. And that is a huge part of that. So right. I agree with you. Yeah, it's a great way to start your day or end it. I mean, it's just good. I love it. Yes. Um, okay. You ready? We're going to go deep. This quote really pushed me to think, okay? So you were uh, listing out some of the men in your life that you had dated that weren't necessarily healthy, the relationships or the men or you, any of those things. And you said, all the men in this list had one thing in common. They were all somewhat broken, and I subconsciously was attacking that because I was, I was also so broken and needed someone to fix. I really yep. needed to fix myself, but I didn't realize that back then. I read that like six times and was like, wow. Uh, it goes back to that mirror moment we were talking about, like really looking at yourself in the mirror. This is a powerful, powerful moment when you can truly say, like, it's not you, it's me. Right. And that's scary. So I feel like a lot of our listeners are coming into self-worth and self-love at that sort of like, whoa, this is me. What do I do yeah. now? So what's the best first step there, do you think, in just like stopping and not freaking out and saying it's all these other things how am I going to take this one bite at a time yeah so for me if I look back on like what because I think everyone get has a breaking point Mm. you will continue to repeat patterns and then all of a sudden you'll be like okay (laughs) something has to give here and like what is what is What's the connection between everything that keeps happening to me? Um, It can't just be everyone else. There's a reason why I'm attracting this type of guy or why I keep repeating these patterns and why these men all kind of have, even though they're different, they all kind of have the same thing in common. And for me, it was just, I hit rock bottom. I literally hit rock bottom after that breakup when I was 34 And for me, if you were like me, where you realize it's all tied to your self-worth, I I went to counseling. I sought the help. I had to admit that I couldn't fix it on my own. Oh, yeah. And I needed the help of other people. So I always think that's a great first step. And, you know, counseling is a hard thing to do because that's when you're kind of admitting you need help. But there's so much strength in asking for help. Yes. And so for me, that's a huge first step is knowing that it's not a weakness. It's a strength to ask for help. And if you don't want to go to a counselor, even just talking to one of your friends, but, but if you're going to ask a friend, you have to allow them to be honest with you. Yes. So, which I think is sometimes hard to ask a friend. That's why I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm actually in school back in grad school again to be a counselor. And one of the things I think about therapy is that the most beautiful thing is this person is completely isolated 
I got a dog barking. Let me go inside. <laughs> okay, no problem. Is uh, this, you know, your therapist is isolated from your life. Like they don't have any connection. So they can be honest with you in a different way. And I right. think that is a beautiful gift that a friend, it's almost putting them in a bad place sometimes. And yes, everybody needs that friend that will tell you when you're being ridiculous. Um, yeah. But there's also a lot of power in having a counselor to give you an unbiased opinion. Totally agree. Totally agree. And that's why I go to mine <laughs> and I right? love her. Like you, it, you, sometimes you need someone that knows nothing about you and you can just literally go in there. I mean, I've had sessions where I'm just sobbing on the ground. Like I would never do that probably in front of one of my friends. Maybe I would, right. but they've seen me cry. But like knowing that you can just open up their objective. Um, it's, there's just something to that. And man, the way you feel when you walk out of the counseling session, it's like 500 pounds lighter. It's yes. the best. Yeah. Yep. You just feel like, Oh, okay. That was it. Now I can move forward. Yeah. It's really, it's really powerful. So I like that. That's a good, great suggestion. Uh, over the course of the book, one of the things that I loved was you kept mentioning in little pieces that you learned to trust your intuition, right? Mm -hmm. Like to listen to yourself. Um, the big question is, how do you do that? You know, do you meditate? Do you journal? We've talked about yoga. What is the best way for someone to stop and hear themselves? So this is a really interesting one because once you hone in your intuition, you kind of realize it's always been there. You've just like ignored it. Shoved it down, yeah, right? Like yep. shoved mm -hmm. it down. So mine has always been, I've always had this crazy strong intuition. And it's always like, I get really strong vibes from people, like right. positive and loving or negative and like scary. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time it's in my gut, like physically in my gut. If a situation's bad, um, and like back when guys ruled my life, you know, like if they were bad, I was a like, even if it felt bad, I was attracted to that because that's what I was used to. Wow. Yeah. But now like that feeling I get when I meet a guy, now I'm actually repelled from it. So I feel like I've really healed myself when it comes to that. But really it's, I get a physical feeling when something's not right. Yeah. Um, I'm telling you, it's never wrong. So, and you know, it, for me, it wasn't, and maybe it did have a lot to do with, I just think it has a lot to do with just knowing yourself and loving yourself enough to trust that if you feel like something's wrong, you're your number one fan, right? You're number one person. Like you should trust yourself. You shouldn't be doubting yourself. If something doesn't feel right, it's probably not. Right. So yo it was probably yoga, counseling. It was probably all those things combined that really helped me start trusting myself. Yeah. Because I made such bad decisions before, I wasn't real trusting of my decisions. Right. And you didn't trust that yeah. guy. So it's just a matter of getting to know yourself and yep. really knowing that voice had been there all along. Oh, I totally agree. That's awesome. What do you really want your readers to take away from this book? Man, like you might make me cry with that question. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not trying to make you cry, but I think it's, it's such a powerful book. So, 
Yeah. So this book, so, so many people have told me that they cried, like so many people texted me and they're like, Oh my God, I I'm crying. And I'm like, I'm not like, yeah, you're crying. But I cried through the writing the entire book. Like Mm. I still can't read it. And I've read it a thousand times, you know, because I've had to edit it. (laughs) Um, I, I cry every time I read it because not out of sadness anymore, but like, you know, sadness for the part of the book about the baby, which I will save that for everyone to read. Right. But like, I sad, like tears of happiness as well, not just tears of sadness, but tears of happiness of like how far I have come as a person Mm, and how much I love myself now. And I want nothing more than that for everyone else who's reading this book. Like everyone deserves that. Everyone deserves to love themselves and not question who they are and if they're worth enough on their own. I say that in the book, like I'm worth, I'm worthy on my own. Like I don't need any of these other things to make me worth something. Like it's enough just to be me. So that's what I want everyone to take. I want everyone to have that. That gave me goosebumps. It's, it's, that's a powerful thing. I mean, that could change the world in and of itself. Um, one of the things I took away is so many people could benefit from this book. Like you have so many audiences here, like people, like it's a beautiful book. You should, I highly recommend it. Uh, we talked about this a little bit before, but I think that the middle forties are like such an amazing time because you start to learn all of these beautiful things. And I know my younger self wouldn't have listened to this person sitting here, but man, uh, it's kind of fun to start to be on this side. Well, what is up for you next, Miss Lori? What are you going to do next? Well, right now, I because of COVID, I was hopeful, I was going to do like a mini book tour around Columbus um, in Ohio, but that's not going to happen anytime mm. soon. So, I, so I'm going to try to do some Zoom um, book readings and things like that. So watch for those coming. I'll put those out. Um, I have a Facebook page that I'm going to be posting some of that stuff on. I might do a curbside book signing so everyone feels safe. And then I'm also, um, like you, I have a podcast that will be coming out soon that's called Paddling Upstream. Um, And really, I want to interview women and maybe some men, too, who have been on this journey to self-worth and how they got there and how they've kind of gone off the beaten path to, like, change their life. So... That is what's next for me. That's awesome. And we will put all of those things. um, We'll put Lori's uh, social media and all of her things in the show notes that you guys can access them. Uh, Lori, I honestly cannot thank you enough for writing the book, for sharing your courageous journey with us. Like, I so appreciate it. And I cannot wait to hear what's coming next from you. So thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And thank you so much for reading the book and for your support. It means a lot. And you're awesome. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Well, that's all for today's episode of Building Better Humans podcast. Find Lori Tucker online. We'll tell you where in the show notes. And pick up a copy of her book as soon as you can. Join us again next Wednesday when we talk about the incredibly important idea of intersectionality. In the meantime, happy Pride Month, Black Lives Matter, and fat doesn't own us anymore.